assistant he'd known he'd seen the way the young man's eyes had darted about the barn taking in the tidy table and bench pushed against the wall the way the cobwebs had been swept out of the corners of the rafters the neatly stacked tools carefully placed all signs of a woman's touch yet Gilles' wife had been dead for three years yes Gilles had known even then and the bees had known too. Half an hour. That's all he had before the trucks reached his farm, saw the brightly painted beehives and the stone house where his family had lived for almost two hundred years in the shadow of the chateau, before they reached the barn and started moving the hay. His nostrils flared as the exhaust fumes overtook the sweet scents of his beloved fields, and he turned abruptly to Colette. Sulitain. He picked her up, her warm breath on his neck, and began to run. She started to cry before they'd even reached the barn, her sobs already hiccups by the time the family had crawled from their hiding place and begun their escape across the lavender fields, their shadows chasing them through the rows of purple. In the kitchen, at the back of the farmhouse, he removed the small leather suitcase that had been Colette's mother's, Packed the same day he decided he could no longer be a bystander. Carefully, he took the teapot from the hutch, where it had been nestled between its matching cups and plates, the feel of the china fragile beneath his rough hands, as he remembered his dead wife and how she'd loved beautiful things, how she'd loved to set the table and eat from the delicate plates. The china set had been a wedding gift from the chateau to his grandparents, a thank you for his family's years of service. He wrapped it in a small towel and tucked it carefully amid Colette's clothing inside the case, then lifted the little girl into his arms again, pressing his forehead to hers. It will be all right, ma petite chérie. Madame Bosco has promised to look after you until I return. He lifted the suitcase and began walking swiftly from the house toward the neighboring farm. The Boscos were a large Italian-French family, with seven children of their own, and had not asked him why he might need to leave his daughter for an unspecified amount of time. It was better they did not know. No, Papa. Colette's bottom lip quivered, but he dared not slow or look behind him. He pressed her blonde head against his chest as he walked faster, seeing the lights of the stone farmhouse, white sheets flapping on the clothesline like a warning. The door opened before he reached it. Madame Bosco's large, round form filled the doorway, the light illuminating her. A young girl, dark-haired like her mother, but slender as a reed, peered out from behind Madame. Go back inside, the woman said to the girl. Keep your brothers and sisters away from the door. She waited until her daughter had left, the girl stealing a glance over her shoulder only once. Madame Bosco turned back to Gilles. Is it time? She asked, her voice low. Gilles nodded, holding Colette even tighter, knowing what a terrible thing he was asking the child to do, and how this very scene must be played out again and again all over the burning fields of Europe a chorus of children's cries and parents' despair that fell on parched earth 
and thick air that smelled of burning things. The wailing might be heard, but no one was listening. He touched his lips to Colette's sweat-soaked forehead and tear-stained cheek, breathing in the scent of her one last time. You are my heart, ma chérie, he said, holding her small fist tightly in his own larger one, replaying something they did every night. And only you can set it free. He opened his hand and wiggled his fingers like petals on a sunflower. Even in her misery, the little girl remembered her part and opened her own little hand, the small fingers slow and heavy. Remember this, Gilles whispered in her ear, the folds and curves as delicate as a flower. Remember, you are my heart. Before he could change his mind, he handed Colette...